The Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM, the voice of the community. 3CR, community radio, giving the voice to the community since 1976. (laughs) This is the poem that won the Newcastle Poetry Prize. I read this poem at a reading in Canberra to a very young audience, young students. I couldn't help but feel that as I was well and truly the oldest person in the room, that I'd have to find a way to catch their attention. So I told them that this poem had won $12,000 and, you know, perhaps they should listen to it and tell me afterwards if they thought it was worth $12,000. The quality of the attention! (laughs) 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 Now you shall know. Maria Callas sings the aria Voi lo sapete from Cavaliera Rusticana. The aeroplane is hung in the sky from a clever hook, so we seem to inhabit a thrumming stillness. But we believe we are travelling forward, a little this way and a little that way, up and then down as if we are nosing our descent. And there is a singing in my ears. This is cleverness recalled from history, the voice of Maria Callas and the presence of that audience there, rapt surrendering, translated into a thing of monstrous beauty as she screams exquisitely her high anguish. Or is it our commonwealth of torment? It is, anyway, almost unendurable, as human as anything is, and everyone present is part of this. She pauses... She breathes. The orchestra dawdles to intimate there is a resolution to come, and then he coughs. The man cannot contain himself a moment longer. The paroxysm erupts. He coughs. Forever, at this point, he interrupts. Whatever else he did in his life, he coughed and is now part of the story, which I can't follow, but can tell is of dark betrayal and death and of the tickle in his throat. But I don't know, non lo so, what it might mean, voi, lo sapete. You it will know, you will come to know. Now I am being previous. I am hung in the sky, knowing nothing of what I will come to know. Held high in the palm of technology's hand, awaiting our delivery to a runway, a sky bridge, a carousel, to our eternal mother, maybe, propping up on the pillows like a bright-eyed dolly, a holy dread. There is nowhere else to sleep this midnight except within her reach. Believe me, in this house, there are no other beds in which I may sleep. She doesn't whisper stories all night in the dark, her mouth to my ear, in a language that I used to know, a shuffle of syllables, as if she can talk me back into her sad, shamefaced arms, snowballs, chance of that. But in the morning when we wake, she laughs and announces me as a blanket thief, 
a rusted coil has eased. You selfish old woman, I say. But I am an old woman also. Two old women waking to the new day that will bring a sudden jolt that is the beginning of the end for her. I have imagined what I might feel dressing for my mother's funeral. And as I pinned her lily of the valley brooch to my grey lapel, I knew. I have flown in with a book in my clever hand. She loses all feeling in her left hand. I quit the house to speak to everyone at once. She is lifted into an ambulance. Something tells me she is about to throw the performance of her life, her parting shot, the last big push with everything she's got. I read that poem, she says, the one... Yes, that one, the one about. We are in the busy corridor of the hospital close to the grief room, and I know that she will die soon. This is the hospital where I was born. Once again, she reaches for all her strength and pushes me away from her. I didn't know, she says, and that is enough. Go, the voice in my head says, just go now. who was the MC for the reading in Canberra as I stepped down off, off the stage he said and here comes the reborn Jennifer I could tell that he at least had totally understood the new birth my mother had given me I didn't get on with my mother but when she come up with that right at the end I was so proud of her because mm-hmm. she'd given me my freedom I could have spent the rest of my life brooding over everything but she told me to go. And I think that's the very least your parents can do for you, is to put a foot in your backside and tell you to go. Oh, Lord, all this poetry. (laughs) (laughs) i read this one for Steve. This is about an immigrant that Steve and I met in Abbotsford one day, and he was a fortunate immigrant. It's called As Far As Dandenong. We were after coffee. Your hand, or was it mine? On the gate to the grounds of the rededicated convent. Excuse me, he said. Then he stalled, almost at the end of this language, hands resting lightly on the handlebars. He wasn't out of breath. He was in an exalted state, as if he had taken off early and ridden hard, not looking back, just going all over until he was lost. Iranian, my best guess. Tra, he mouthed. Then again, tra, then dandinon. As we conferred, he took a look at us, took a good look at the Australian strange beasts from under his eyebrows, his cheap white shirt and cheap grey strides and cheap trainers. This is what they wear, his brother or his cousin said in Kmart. They didn't sit quite right, but for the whole day he had passed, no one had looked twice. This dull rigart was the local colouring. We were talking too much and too fast. I tried him with French, but that was useless. As we pointed towards Victoria Park Station, he shook his head as if bees were buzzing in his ears, cold sweat was stinging in his eyes. Then he caught Flinders Street Station. He'd been schooled. His cousin 
or his brother in the kitchen of a house in Dandenong late into the night over a demitasse of black coffee, drilling him with the pivotal words, the ones that would get him home again, or at least as far as Dandenong. This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Last poll for the evening is David Stavinger. I like to get a sense of the audience I'm reading to, so I'm just going to do three quick survey questions. <laughs> if you could just look to your left, who's next to you, the person to your right, just briefly, and... Um, just think about what they may answer to these three questions. <laughs> My life is in balance. A, emotionally. B, there's nothing more to say. C, spiritually. D, when other people ask. <laughs> Every Monday I look forward to A, others going to work. B, going to work with others. C, watching spiders eat birds. <laughs> You've got to keep looking. <laughs> I use social media to A, tell you how I'm doing, B, show you I'm doing fine, C, communicate with the dead. (laughs) It's a mindfulness exercise. I'm a lapsed psychologist. This book is kind of about my experiences as a psych, then having my own kind of breakdown, coming out the other side as a poet with an alter ego and then reintegrating as some sort of human being. That's kind of what the book is is about. The first piece is my take on optimism. Surviving a plane crash is good for you. When the plane crashes into the sea, the sea is the least of your worries. The pilot announces, I have nothing in front of me. Golden time starts. 90 seconds to get naked. 90 seconds to become a bird. There are never enough parachutes. You won't fall into another's arms. Nylon has low melting points. Slender males will fare best. Once you're in the water, there is cause for concern. Whistling attracts sharks. The objective is to rest the sky, eyes open, and then close. I used to never get really nervous during performances, uh, but since sort of getting my mental health together, um, being on these purple pills I take daily... uh, how do they make them purple, by the way? It's such an absurd, uh, absurd thing. Per- and, and they're affected by sunlight. Sunlight, these things, they melt. I don't really know why I'm telling you that. But, uh, just think about that. That's, yeah. To be a special, which is the name of the book, is to stay as a mental health worker, is to stay overnight with a client, usually by their side, inside in under-resourced sort of regional areas, if they wake up trying to reassure them if they're suicidal or psychotic. And I used to do this quite a bit. Uh, back when I was a psychologist. This is called The Special. People are most likely to go between the hours of two and four. When the body slows down and the core temperature cools like meat left on a stove. Not suicides. That's when they wake. Active, wanting to talk, wanting to apologise and rage as you, The Special, 
move closer to the window without moving at all. This guy telling me he wants to jump will probably just break his legs. But it's the ones who wake up happy with an epiphany, smiling, even laughing, makes you reach for the buzzer, nurse creeps in and sedates under half-light. I've seen enough stomachs charcoal to put me off life drawing for life. One week, a patient launched himself from the fifth floor. Didn't even put his hands out, hit the concrete with his face. Sometimes the future looks brighter if you don't look at all. Another outpatient told me the nurses were serving up the other inmates as food. I felt this was feasible. Nurses rarely bare their teeth until he asked if I wanted a coffee and started a great soap into a cup. You're the special. Shoes in bed, sweating on the call to watch white sheets rise and fall, count breaths, early morning handovers, the death clocks ticking. For this next piece, which is about my grandfather, who uh, used to have quite severe manic episodes, called Jack the Moon. I've moved into the shed, he said, fast and from a distance beyond telephone wire and cars. Listen to this. And I could hear Perry Como, needle sharp, bouncing off hollow tin walls. The back shed, it's better out here. I've bought the phone out so we can talk. He sounded more triumphant than drunk, a man who'd drawn a thin line and crossed it. I asked him about the lack of windows and whether Nan knew about the relocation. He didn't hear me, mannequin proud, sitting on a camp bed with the insects. I'm going to stay out here. I'm going to press tongues. David, look at what I've done. I'm in the shed. Blood lithium free and cycling, machine gun thoughts, all buttons pressed at once. Madness is not fully measured by the harm done, it's in the beauty only lunar suns undo. Who was I at 17 to deny the ascent? <clears throat> I was single for about three weeks. And, um, that's a terrible fucking intro, isn't it? <laughs> I love bad intros to poems. Has anyone here ever done RSVP? Yeah. Okay. So I created a profile where like, I got the RSVP questions, but I cut out responses from two of my psych reports that were made about me. And I was going to put it up, but I never did. If you want to use it, you can put this up on RSVP. Okay. You. Seeking a relationship with a psychotherapist. My current relationship status, hypervigilant. My height, reduced. My body type, Venus flytrap. <laughs> Some lines you can let them hang. <laughs> Do you have children? One previous episode. My personality, I like it when you smile, I love it when you don't. <laughs> my hair, my eyes, a colour that doesn't run. My desires, citrus fruit, but not in a weird way. <laughs> that line works, by the way. I recommend that. Religion, marked obsessive traits. Pets, mild panic attacks. Zodiac sign, cipramil, the Valparade moon. You're going to finish with this. Uh, it's called In the Palace of Broken Men. Uh, the context of this piece was I'd gone through 
It was like cumulative breakups, and then the people know the poet Matt Hetherington. So he turned up in Brisbane with nowhere to stay, so he ended up in my house, and then there was these two other poets from Scotland. They'd gone through breakups, and another friend went through a divorce, and they ended up on the floor. So it was just a sprawl of unhappy men. <laughs> <laughs> and the kitchen was rotting onto the floor, and there was mould everywhere, and there was a strange smell that rose up through the house, and I was hearing voices at night. And in the middle of all that, that plagiarism scandal broke out. Ah. <laughs> people know about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. So I was really paranoid um, as well. What was the name of the uh, Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's Gaythorn. I don't know the relevance of that particularly, but which nobody wants to live in, by the way. Not because of the name. It used to be called. Um, it used to be called Shooting a uh, Rifle Range. That was the name of the suburb in Brisbane. They changed the suburb Rifle Range to Gaythorn, <laughs> Queensland. Okay. Um, sorry, that's public. Um, in the Palace of Broken Men. There are few women mothers call on the weekend. New friends come by in the night, the only language secondhand vinyl. <laughs> T-shirts swapped, beers open, brief pats on the back and surnames. Meetings are held on the threshold, the kitchen is the best place to talk. Sighing is the first act of the morning, in the toilet books but no paper. Rat baits but no rats an unnamed smell in the bedroom. Bins put out, not brought back in. Defective fans in the middle of summer. Can't locate documents when required. A birth certificate photocopied five times. Two television points, but no aerial. Picture of a couple drowning in a boat. Random toys underfoot, many are broken. The constant drone of recollection opening the back door slowly to let out the muttering light. Thank you very much. Um, that's it for tonight. Please thank our wonderful features. Um, <laughs> Mama Poetica will be held on April the 7th, um, so I forgot to wait until April, but we're featuring um, Alex Govern and uh, Michelle Lieber and Jeff Lemon and Matthew James. And, uh, and if you're not already a member, please uh, join the La Mama Poetica group on Facebook and that's where you'll find out about our events. Um, thanks for being such a great audience and I'll see you next time.